Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. We hope today's message encourages you, but before we get to that, we want to remind you, if you want to get connected to what God is doing here at our campus, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find links to our social media platforms, and a lot more. Just text Cersei to 88000 or visit newlifechurch.tv. Now get your Bible and note apps ready to go and prepare to hear a great message today. I want to hop into the Word today. Today I'm going to do just a standalone message over the next, um, beginning next week. I'm going to do three weeks on the altar, and I'm going to talk about altars in Scripture and what does an altar mean for us now, and so I'll start that next week, and that'll take us right into September, believe it or not. But today I want to talk about something that's been on my mind for a couple of weeks and uh, throw this out to everybody here today. So I want to start by just putting us on some level ground, and I want you to raise your hand if you have ever struggled hearing from God, I just want you to raise your hand, okay, if you've ever struggled to hear from God. If I'm being honest, this is an area in my own life where I struggle. And so what I prefer is those times where you feel that the Holy Spirit is speaking very clear and very strong about your life, giving clear direction I love those times, but again, if I'm being honest, they are far and few between for me. I have to really strive. I have to really pray and be very sensitive and reach a place in my life where I, am, I have peeled away layers of things in my life that could steal the attention off of God to get to that place where things become more and more clear. Maybe you're that person, I don't know if you've ever done this, but maybe you're that person who randomly opens your Bible, you take your finger, and you say, I'm going to stick my finger in this Bible, and whatever it lands on is exactly the word that God has for me right now. And sometimes that backfires because like, it could go on Habakkuk chapter 2.16 where it says, drink and let your nakedness be exposed. Like, like you don't want that, that's not from God. Okay, um, So sometimes when it comes to hearing from God, I have this spiritual daydream, if you will, of Jesus and I sitting in some Adirondack chairs by a fire pit just talking about the things I'm confused about. And I think about that often. You know, how nice would it be to have a very tangible, physical sense of Christ where I can with these ears hear his voice speak directly to me about what I need and what I'm, what I'm wanting and where I'm off track and where I need to go and the big question marks I have in my life. It's a big spiritual day, daydream for me. But I believe that we all want to hear from God. And I believe that we want to hear from God now more than ever because it's not only a strange time, it's an emotionally charged like, there are a lot of opinions and strong voices, and it's like no matter where you turn, whether it's the news or a social media outlet, there is something of strength there that you're questioning. Does it, it may have strength, but does it have value? 
And so we're looking at all these things and opinions and, and strong personalities speaking, all these loud voices, but we're having to go, is that really God in that? So I believe that we want to hear, but we're also at a time where we can be easily distracted. And so maybe you can relate today with that. You look at the world right now, this crazy year we've had, and you look at where you are with God, and you think, man, I'm so distracted right now. It just seems like there's so many voices that His voice is just somewhere in there. Like that one, you know, sock that you're looking for in the in the dryer, and you're you're just having to pilfer through to try and find, and you can't. You're struggling to to really hone in on it. So it's like there's been so much information right now to absorb. I mean, we have gone from it feels like rather that the impeachment trial, the pandemic, the canceling of March Madness rioting, murder hornets, and the Tiger King were somehow like all one big motion. Some of you are like, how did he know I watched Tiger King? And adding to that, we all have big responsibilities that we are juggling. We have spouses and kids and friends and coworkers, and we cook and clean and do laundry and mow the yard and have Zoom calls, lots and lots Zoom calls. And so we're all moving differently than we were this time last year, and we're becoming professionals at being disengaged. So it's so much easier right now to disengage because our culture has given us permission to. So we're easily unplugged, and we can remove this and this and this and this and, and just kind of get back in our own corner and this can easily happen, if we're not careful, with our pursuit of God. So rather than keeping it up front, we can disengage from it too. Because right now it's like you have this full grace to go, come to church, watch online, doesn't matter, it's fine. Um, you know, go for it, don't go for it. Um, be hungry for God, don't be hungry for God. You can just disengage, and it's like this blanket of permission. So I want to give us a warning that the pursuit of God can become one of those things that we're trying to recalibrate, and faith can become something that we put on autopilot. So we can go for months and months and months and months and months and be in the same motion for some, maybe you're in the same rut, maybe you're in the same circumstance, maybe you are in the same addiction, you, you are stuck and caught and moving in the same plane that you have been for months because you have just put your faith on autopilot. It's like, one of these days I'll get around to growing in that or knowing more or getting inspired again or motivated again. And, but right now, until things get some normalcy, I'm just going to unplug from that and put on autopilot and know that everything is going to be okay. So if I could zero in on a word, if I give you a word to take away with you this morning that I really want to drill down to, it would be the word distraction. Now this is not a word that's really deep. 
We're very familiar with distractions. We get very good in our adult years at managing them. Um, We know uh, how to recognize them, but life is full of them, and so is your faith. So distractions have to be one of those things that we occasionally talk about because it's very, very real to where you are in your relationship with Christ right now. Not in six months from now, not when a pandemic is gone, not when things soothe, not when there's healing in the land, right now. Okay, So I want to just throw out some basic info really quick and build a quick foundation for this. But do you know that your body right now in this room is trying to process over a million bits of information per second? Now that's, that's your entire sense system. A million bits of information per second. However, your brain can only consciously process about 40. So it's like a perfume that that you smell, the room temperature, whether the chair is comfortable, whether your back hurts, um, all all of these things, the, the lighting, whether you're hungry, whether you're tired, these are all things that you can consciously detect in those 40 things very rapidly. This means that there are 999,960 bits of information that are left that are after they're battling it out for your attention. They all want in line. They want to be recognized. Adding to that, I've read that the average attention span is eight seconds. Okay, now that think of that. That's that's a professional bull ride. Okay, so eight seconds. And you've moved on. Now, do you know what that means for a pastor who's trying to teach? That means seven times a minute, your your mind goes somewhere to a galaxy far, far away. Right now, you're thinking about Star Wars, so it proves the point. Okay, you're just, it's gone. And so, it's this constantly coming back, leaving, coming back, leaving, coming back, leaving. And in one hour's time that you are in this room, you have hundreds of thoughts away from here. It's a struggle to be present. Why? Because of distraction. Even things that are normal to us, daily processing routines, the experience of life, whether they be relational, emotional, psychological, doesn't matter. They, they can be as normal as a Sunday morning, but they can be a distraction. So knowing this, I want to talk about two types of distractions really quick, and then we'll talk about the life of Jesus. The first one is we can have an earthly distraction, okay? So for some of you, you have a natural inclination to be distracted. I won't get into mental things there, but you are quickly moving from thing to thing. I don't know if you've ever driven down the road and you've seen people driving with their knee, eating a Frito chili pie with this hand and talking on the phone. I mean, it, it scares me. And it's some of y'all have an NLC sticker on the back. But Jesus is the perfect example of how to handle distraction. And in the midst of accusation and fiery opinion surrounding him, constant pressure from crowds, he still completed a very focused mission. And it's probably safe to say that most of us in this room today, you recognize a bad distraction in your life. 
Like if I said to you, I want you right now to write down the top three things that are in your life that distract you, you could do it within 60 seconds. You're aware of those things, okay? There are things that are immoral distraction. They tempt our steadfastness. They steal away our eyes, our thoughts. There are relational distractions that can harm a marriage or a reputation. There are mental distractions that can impede our reasoning. But the greatest distraction is in our lives right now in this era of time is our fixation on other people. Craig Rochelle says this. He says, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. The fastest way in your life to kill something that's good, that's going on for you and in your life that you've worked hard, that you're seeing fruit from, that you should be celebrating and excited about, the quickest way to choke that thing out is to compare it to somebody else's dream. But I want us to consider, since it's so easy to determine bad distractions, I also want us to consider that there are good distractions. Things that are good but they're still distractions. So I'm talking about things that aren't necessarily bad. And if I'm transparent, I'm going to tell you this way. One of the greatest challenges at this stage of my life is trying to navigate between good distractions. Now here's what I, I mean. Everything that I'm striving to do at this stage of my life is associated with something good, right? We're all trying that. So we're trying to live righteous. We're trying to follow Christ. Um, we have left childhood days behind us. We are on the path of following Jesus. We have said goodbye to childish things. And so we have associated ourselves with mature, responsible things. At least we hope so. All of us can relate to this. You're striving to be a godly person. You're striving to be a good spouse. You're teaching your kids how to have healthy boundaries. You're earning a living. You're planning for the future. You are doing things that you know are good or associated with good things. But here's the tension we can have when we are trying to follow Christ when it comes to good distractions. We say things like, I love God, but there's a pandemic how do I filter how I serve God when something bad is going on? Do I still attend? Do I go online? Do I still go to my life group? Do I still give? Do I not? Do I serve sometimes? Do I not? What's the best thing? And we're trying to go between something that we know is good. The filter is I love God. But the distraction is something else. And we're trying to say I want to stay good in this, I want to stay righteous in this. I know for some people, they personally talk to me about this. They want to go on a missions trip. But if they go, they forfeit the dream vacation for that year for their family. It's a, it's a good distraction. Vacations are great. You need them. We encourage them. But you go, I want to go on a missions trip, but I want to take my family on a vacation. I got good and good. What do I do here? It's like you want to be involved in a life group. You don't want to disengage, even if it's a micro group, you and one more family. But there's always something that's got to be done around your house. There's always a responsibility. 
There's always something that, that could make you better about what's going on with your day-to-day life. So you go, there's a good thing here and there's a good thing here. Which one of those are, am I going to prioritize? So it all ends up being this tug-of-war of good things and good things, and no matter what, what you choose, something or someone wins and something or someone loses. So the unfortunate outcome of an earthly distraction is that it often leads to spiritual distraction. So the things that are happening in this life with what I can see and taste and feel and touch and engage in and walk into and experience with the senses that God gave me suddenly translate into my walk with God. Now, this is not rocket science. We all know this. If, you, if you've been walking with God for any length of time, you know this is a challenge that our day-to-day lives affect our spiritual walk. They become a way that we see God, understand God, know God more. And it becomes easy to believe that since we are distracted, that Jesus is distracted. And I've taught you this before, but once you believe something, you give give it power. And so if you give a thought, belief, power is the next step. You give it power in your life. And when we think, man, God is is too busy for me, I'm distracted, and therefore he must be distracted. God has to have things that are more important, and he's doing something bigger and better than me in my life. He's somewhere else doing something with somebody else, and eventually he'll make his turn to me. And when you believe that, you give it power over your life. So let me transition really quick. We see this theory that I'm talking about play out in the story of Lazarus. So in John chapter 11, this, we find this great story. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm actually going to read one verse. I love Mary and Martha because we all identify with them. We could split this room in half. If I had time, I'd break it down to what Mary was like and what Martha is like, and I could say, how many of you are Mary's and how many of you are Martha's, and we would split this room in half. I love them. We identify with them so much. They have wanted him to come. Jesus has news of Lazarus being sick, and he's late. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to remind you that every single person in this room has thought at some point in your life Jesus was late for something going on for you in your marriage, with your kids, with your finances, with a a struggle, with depression, with an addiction, whatever it was, you thought he was late. And you want to say in your heart the same thing that Martha said. John 11, 21, she says, Lord... If you had been here, okay, there it is. You were distracted. Lord, if you had been here, and then she gives the end, my brother would not have died. Now, we think that's a slam, but actually that is faith. She's saying, I know that if you had been here, if you had been on time, if you had had just come, if you had seen how sick he was, I know you and I know you love us and I know you have the power to heal and I know that (laughs) miracles come from you. If you had been here, and we do the same thing. If you had just been here a year ago in this marriage, I wouldn't be going through this. If you had just been with my sick kid, this would not have happened. If you would have healed, if you would have done this, if you would have stepped in, if you would have just sprinkled the stuff that you sprinkle over my husband, 
changed him. It would have been awesome. But you're late. You missed your time to bless us. Don't you think about this. This is what we give power to when we're distracted. You missed an opportunity. This is the same attitude Sarah had when she heard she was going to have, have a child. She went to the tent and laughed behind the, the door. Why? Because she was saying, you missed your opportunity. Had you come to me in my 20s? Yeah. 30s? Yeah. 40s? Yeah. But right now, I'm an old lady and he's an old man and it ain't, it ain't happening. You missed it. You're late. And we can often think this way when we become spiritually distracted. So here's the, one, one of the big truths I want you to walk away with. Your earthly distractions always affect your spiritual distractions. They are in tandem. And for whatever reason we have thought or believed or taught, whatever it is, that your experience with the world is way over here and your experience with God is way over here, but they are in tandem. The way you are living out your faith is directly connected to your earthly experience. This is not just about what happens one of these days in eternity somewhere in heaven when, when, when we pass. This is about a life full of joy and abundance and goodness. It's about your life right now. But earthly distractions always affect your spiritual distractions. Let me give you some examples. We've already talked about some of these. but For some, you've stood over the grave of a loved one. And that physical experience breaks you spiritually. Some of you have sat on the end of an exam table, stunned, listening to your doctor talk. And that physical experience, what's going in your ears, breaks you spiritually. Some have packed up your desk, wondering what is, what is coming next. Some of you have been served divorce papers, didn't want them, but you got them. And something happened in you spiritually. Lord, if you had been here, this would not have happened. Some of you, and I'm, I'm being very careful, hear my heart on this, some of you have not been able to have children. And it breaks you spiritually. You look up to God and you say, why, why us? We're prepped to be good parents. We love you. We're doing all the things. All we want is a kid. Why is this happening to us? If you had been here. So let's look at the life of Jesus really quick. Laid over this experience with Lazarus. The first thing is Jesus has perfect patience. If you're here today and you're distracted, I want to encourage you to come back to a place of patience, to a place of, 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 of centering, of being present. What I've discovered is this. It is very difficult to have patience when you don't understand something. It's like if you know it's coming, it's easy to be, be, be patient. If you're on a road trip and you know eventually the car is going to stop, it's going to land, we're going to eventually get there, you can be, be patient. But if you are just meandering, if you're just floating, if you're just coasting, then, then we, we get upset about that. We, we get impatient. 
Proverbs 14.29 teaches us this. Whoever is patient has great understanding. But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. That word folly means lack of good sense. When I have patience... I'm understanding there's something greater going on. There's a God who is ahead of me. There are things in place in my spiritual walk that bring me strength. It's not just me trying to control the world with these two hands. There is something bigger happening. That is my understanding. Then, Therefore, I'm able to be patient with it. Romans 12.12 says, Be joyful in hope, and watch this, patient in affliction. When I'm hurting, when I'm struggling, when I don't have an answer, when it doesn't seem like there's an open door, when it seems like things are are confusing and I I can't wrap my, my hands around it, no matter how much mind energy I put to it, I can't figure it out. To be patient in affliction. Lee Dominga makes this great statement. He says, God operates slowly. Because he's growing trees, not weeds. God is growing oaks, strong trees. He's not growing a weed. A weed pops up overnight. We have to be patient in our affliction. The second thing, Jesus had strategic priorities. I think during this very confusing, tough time, odd year, whatever you want to call it in your mind, One of the biggest things that we can do is come back and have strategic, spiritual priorities. What is God trying to teach me right now? What do I want to come out the other side of this knowing or being better at or being stretched at or being challenged by? What do I want to end this season of struggle having come out like I've come out of a weight room, just stronger and ready for the next chapter? A strategic priority. Even Matthew tells us in chapter 6, verse 33, seek first his kingdom. It's a priority. I'm going to keep the kingdom ahead of me. It's going to be ahead of my, of, 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 of my hobbies. It's going to be ahead of the things that I put my life's energy to. I am going to purposefully give intentionality to the kingdom. Me being involved in the big vision, the big capital C church, is number one in our lives. It's not something we bump up against occasionally on a Sunday morning. It's a spiritual priority. Jesus' priority was based on the bigger picture. He handled every circumstance for what was best for the long-term health of the, the church. How does this relate to us? Well, listen. Mom and Dad, your children are going to grow up. You can't put a rock on their head. They're going to grow, and they're going to become teenagers, unfortunately. And they're going to go to college, and they're going to date, and they're going to fall in love, and they're going to get married, and they're going to have kids of their own. And do you know it was in that moment, my dad is here today, but it was in that moment my dad became brilliant. I knew right then how smart he was. But if Christ is not a priority in your home right now, you cannot expect that he will be for your children. Mom and dad, your marriage is the pattern 
for your children to follow. They see it all. They're very intuitive. They're very resilient, but they're very intuitive. If you curse at each other, throw objects, their marriages are not going to prioritize a peace process. Because it hasn't been a priority in your home, how can we expect it to be a priority in theirs? Stephen Furtick says it this way. He says, next is always connected to now. What happens next in our lives, with our kids, with their phase of life, with how, with how we see the world, how we're interacting with the world, how, how our lives are growing, our next is definitely tethered to right now. So what are you prioritizing in your life? What are you investing in right now that contributes to the long-term health of your family? Third and final, Jesus had unshakable perspective. I pray this on all of us, that we would have perspective on this pandemic, on the challenges of what's happening in corporate America, on what's happening in our churches around the world, what's happening in your family right now, what's happening with fears and anxiety and, and, and just heightened emotions, what, that we can gain perspective and it be unshakable. That we know this thing is out of my control. And that could be the best thing for the world. For us to realize we're not controlling it. God is in control of everything. He's not worried. I've told you this story before. And I'll tell you again to make this comparison. One time in our lives, my parents had a Mercury Grand Marquis. You guys know what I'm talking about? Now, if you drive one of those, I, I don't want any hate email, okay? It was 45 feet of silver and tinted windows. It had two big old captain's chairs in the front and a big bench seat in the back. Could comfortably sleep four. It didn't have seat warmers, but the, the velvet on the seat with your jeans, it had no problem warming up. The modern mafia would have loved it because you get five bodies in the trunk of that car easily. They don't make the marquee anymore. The only ones you see are relics, most are in terrible shape, and here's why. Their time has passed. And some view God to be the same way. Their perception of God is like there was this time for him, there was these great moments that God of the Bible is years and years and years, millennia past. It was a moment. It was a season. It was a cultural thing. It was a societal thing. We compare that to world religions, and we go, we were just one of many. And so God is one of the gods that are being discussed around the history of the world. God had his era and his time. And they become out of touch like he is a memory that fades or a style that is not cool anymore. And I have a, a pastor friend of mine, I've changed her name for the sake of, of just being, being careful. But I have a friend, his wife was raised in church, he was raised in church. They believed that God was good, is good. She suffered a lot of pain. I can't get into everything that happened, but a lot of things that would cause some people to just fall apart. 
and her neatly organized, compartmentalized ideas of God and thoughts of God and how faith was in her life was in this nice, organized box. And it all made sense, and her worldview all made sense, because her box made sense, and the God in that box made sense. And when all these things, these waves of change started coming into their, their lives, she couldn't handle it, and it overturned the box, and the lid came off, and everything in it toppled out, none of it made sense, and all the things that she had said, this is what, what should happen to someone who believes in God, it, it wasn't happening, and it was a mess. So, like a jilted lover, she left God and her husband, and now, to her, God is this strange notion, or someone like she used to know. She can't put it together. I tell you about her because she has a view of God, like some have about the Grand Marquis. Like it's something from her past, like... God is something from childhood. It's the rearview mirror. And let me tell you, some of you may, may be in this spot, and you think you've discredited yourself. You think because of something that's happened or because you got divorced or because uh, some, something happened that was your fault or, or you should have done better, you should have been better, you should have been smarter, somehow you have turned that on yourself. And because of that, you have taken all, these, all the faith and the, and the ideas about God and the things that you've put in your box and you've just set them to the side or stuffed them in an attic or put them on a burn pile. And your perspective of God is totally distracted and derailed because of something that happened to you that was earthly. I'm out of time, but i got to figure out a way to land this. There's an old story in the book of Genesis. This guy named Jacob, you know him. I'll skip all that part. But he basically, he has this magnificent dream. We call it Jacob's Ladder. And Jacob makes this incredible statement when he awakes from his dream. He says, surely the Lord was in this place. And I didn't know it. This is what distractions do. God can be in the house, in your car, in your home. I'm trying to speak to you through dreams and visions and the counsel of other people, through all kinds of spiritual gifts. But you're distracted, so much so that like Jacob, you go, man, surely he was here the whole time. I didn't even know it. Job echoes this when he says, God speaks in one way and now another, and man doesn't even perceive it. The thing there is he's saying, God is always talking to you. He's always reaching out. He's always speaking life over you. But we're so distracted, we don't even perceive it. So here's my challenge, and I'll be quiet with this. Yes, there's a lot of tension in our country. Yes. There's a terrible pandemic. Yes, we have no idea what church gatherings and public gatherings will look like in a year from now. We have no idea. Yes, many companies are scrambling to accommodate right now. Yes, school outcomes are undetermined. But 
Don't be so distracted by all this change and abnormalcy that you forget one of the greatest scriptures that says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to be the same God today and tomorrow that He ever was on the sweetest day of your life. So here's a thought for you to take, and I'm going to pray. You can have control. Hear me. You can have control, or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You can try and, and control everything, or you can grow, but you can't have both of them, okay? I want you to bow your heads with me really quick, and I'm going to pray. I want you to look at your heart right now. You say, Kevin, I'm in this place, and I'm telling you right now, I'm distracted more than I ever have been in life. I do feel disengaged. I feel like there was a time in my life when I was on fire for God. Seeking first the kingdom. He was number one in everything I did. And right now, I'm I'm on autopilot. I'm coasting. I'm going through motions. Maybe for you it's very clear, and you can look at your life, and you, you can identify right now that one thing that is so distracting to you. But I want to pray over you.